0: You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. All right, church, well, good morning. It's been a good service already. I'm excited to be able to open up God's Word with you today. So if you have a copy of Scripture, I'd ask you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16. That's right, the final chapter. We finally made it. It's been a seven-month seven-month uh, journey through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to hang out uh, this week and next week uh, in chapter 16 as we just finish up Paul's letter to, uh, to the, the church there at Corinth. Um, If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, I I would encourage you to uh, take that Black Pew Bible there right in front of you, turn it to page 962, and so that you'll just be able to be able to follow along with us as we walk through uh, the portion of Scripture today. That's kind of our pattern here, is that we just methodically work through books of the Bible, um, and we take chunk by chunk and try to communicate it in a way that is understandable and, and can apply to our lives as well. So as we settle in, let me kind of set the stage for our time in God's word today. Um, In his book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, Arkent Hughes describes two distinct courses of, of life that each of us can take. We can either live the life, as he calls it, the life of a small heart, or the life of a ministering heart. See, the life of a small heart. Hugh says, ignores the needs of others, avoids entangling relationships, and rarely steps out of its comfort zone. While this life avoids the hurt and the risk involved in reaching out to others, often those on this path miss out on the opportunity to leave a lasting impact and impression on those around them. But Then he goes along and describes this other way of life. The life of a ministering heart. And Hughes describes it this way. He says, the life of a ministering heart meets the needs of those around them, invests in relationships, and makes commitments that cost. And while this path does not promise a life of safety and security, those who open their hearts and live for others will undoubtedly leave their mark long after they are gone. Think about it. We all have teachers or parents or grandparents or friends or small group leaders or youth group workers or pastors who have lived this kind of life, who have made a deep impact on who we are as people. And friends, in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 11, Paul invites us to experience this kind of life, a life that reaches out, a life that makes a difference, and most importantly, a life that points other people to Jesus. So as mentioned already, this life isn't without its risks, but God answers every risk with a promise to go before us as we obey. So this morning, we will walk through two risks of living for others, the risk of generosity and the risk of community. And in doing so, I pray that you and I will be convinced of this one thing, that reaching out is worth the risk. And friends, in every single opportunity, in every scenario, I believe that Scripture says, scripture says that reaching out to others is always worth the risk. So let's pray, and then we'll dig into this portion today. Father God, I thank you, Lord, um, for the book of 1 Corinthians, what it has meant in the life of our church, what it has done for, for my heart. Um, and, Father, as we kind of come to this last chapter today, and as we read through, it's, it's easy just to gloss over these, uh, this final chapter as just Paul just tying up some loose ends, God, but there is a purpose for it being here. There is meaning for our church family today. God, and there are things that we can apply to our, our own hearts and lives as we move forward today as well. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that as we consider what it, what it may look like to reach out to others, to live a life that is invested in the lives of other people, um, that we would see the need for it, that we, that we would see the blessing we, and benefit we gain from it, But most of all, God, we see that this is a tool and a way, God, that we can point people closer to your son, Jesus. So God, I just pray your blessing over our time in your word. May you allow me, God, to step out of the way and let your word speak to the hearts of of our dear uh, friends here today, God, and they would see Jesus high and lifted up through all of it. And I pray all these things in the name of the risen Savior, amen. Well, church, I want to... I don't want to read the whole thing at once, um, but I do want to read the first four verses. So follow follow along as I read uh, 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4. So it says this, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. As I was getting ready to, to preach this message, I really thought I was done with the hard stuff. Taught on sex, taught on speaking on tongues, but Paul's got to sneak in one more thing about money. So here we go. It's in the Bible. We're going to talk about it. And like I always say, this is going to feel uncomfortable, and it's uncomfortable for me as well, so just put it out there. Let's just say it all together. This is going to be uncomfortable. Let's say it. All right. It's out of the way. We're good. Take a deep breath. Let's move forward. All right. Let me kind of walk you through what's going on here. The first thing that the first thing that Paul encourages these Corinthians to do, and us as well, is that we need to step out. If we're going to step out in reaching out to others, first it's going to come with the risk of generosity. What does that look like? The risk of giving up of what I have to meet the needs of someone else. And as some wise scholar once said, mo' money, mo' problems. And so Paul says, all right, let's talk about this very thing. So Sir Henry Taylor, in his work, New Beginnings, says this about generosity. He says, he who gives what he would readily throw away gives without generosity. For the essence of generosity is in self-sacrifice. It's giving up of ourselves in a way that we typically would not do. And Paul here in these four verses in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth to give of themselves to meet a specific need. Now before we even get into what that need was, let me make one thing clear. Paul is not talking about regular tithes and offerings. Paul isn't saying that uh, this isn't a giving talk per se on you, you supporting the needs of the church. This isn't 2 Corinthians 8 or 9. Um, This is 1 Corinthians 16. Paul is writing to them to meet a specific need. So this is above and beyond what God calls us as his people to give to his ministry. So this isn't a giving talk on tithes and offerings. This is a giving talk on being generous to meet the needs of other people around us. So this is what's going on we kind of got to piece some things together here. Paul says in verse 1, now concerning the collection for the saints. That's all he says. They know what he's talking about. We don't know what he's talking about from this portion. But we can begin to kind of piece things together as we read other New Testament books. Books like Acts, Romans, Galatians, 2 Corinthians. Um, We piece together that there was a large population of Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And so, when, I mean, if you look at the book of Acts, thousands of people heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and and accepted him as their Lord and Savior. But when that happened, their lives changed drastically. Listen, they were, their families, when their families, neighbors, and employers found out that they had chosen to, to follow after Jesus, they were disowned. You gotta, it's, it's almost like in other, in other countries today where if you come out as, as a believer, your family and, and your, your community absolutely shuns you. So think about it. They lost their livelihoods, their families, and the protection of, of their communities all because they chose to follow Jesus. So on top of the persecution, Acts chapter 11, 27 through 30, describes a great famine that took hold over the region. So leaving them with nowhere to turn. Their family has disowned them. They had lost their jobs, and now they can't even put food on the table. This is what's going on. This is the backstory behind 1 Corinthians 16. And so Paul and the other apostles took it upon themselves to take up a collection from the other churches to generously give to their needs. And in these verses, as we're going to see, Paul gives us principles on how you and I can live generously. I want to walk through three things with you this morning. The first is that our generosity should be planned. Look at verse 2. It says, on the first day of every week. So this is a planned thing. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up. So Paul instructs the Corinthians to set aside money each week to prepare for when Paul would come to collect their gift. So this offering for the Jewish saints was to be something that they prepared and planned for. It wasn't just a spontaneous thing that would would catch them off guard. When my wife and I first started dating, this is going to sound whatever, but I'm just going to throw it out there. It's too late now, there's no, there's no turning back. When my wife and I started dating, the first time I opened up her, the trunk of her car, her car was filled with things I had never seen in a trunk before. Um, listen, I'm from New Jersey, outside of Philadelphia. She's from the snow belt of, of Southern Buffalo. And so I remember the first time, I think we were putting stuff in or whatever it is, and she had blankets and boots and extra food and something to boil water with, and I'm thinking, what in the world are you preparing for? Like, the zombie apocalypse? What is wrong with you? But I was like, listen, I'm from Philly. We get like three inches of snow like a year. That's kind of what happens in, in, like, in, in southern Jersey. But I asked, like, what do, you, what do you have all this stuff in your car for? And she's like, listen, if I get caught in the, in the snow, I need all these things. I need extra clothes, I need extra boots, I need blankets, I need extra food, something to boil my own water with, and I'm thinking, We live in America like there's gas stations and things but out there there's not like there's literally you can drive for miles without seeing anything. And so her parents and her one aunt does a great job of making sure that Mel is prepared for anything and so those things were in the back of her trunk in case of an emergency. Folks, our our, our, our generosity should be prepared in case of an emergency. That it shouldn't be a spontaneous thing in the terms that it's going to catch us off guard and we don't know, we're not prepared to be able to meet the needs of other people. And so Paul says, listen, the need is there. Be ready so that when I come, I don't have to be begging people for money. The gift is already there. And friends, our generosity should be planned and prepared in that way. And I've said it before, and I will say it again. One of, the, one of the ways that you and I can prepare to be generous is by creating something called a blessings budget. It literally is a line item in your budget that you plan that you put money in. Don't just keep it there and don't put money in. No, you got to actually fund this thing, but you, you keep it there with the sole purpose of blessing other people. And so when the time comes, When God moves on your heart, when God stirs you in a certain way and says, hey, you know that need? I want you to meet it. The money is already there. The struggle is gone in terms of, well, I don't know what this money is going to come up. No, no, no. It's already banked in. It's already budgeted into your plan, into your overall financial picture so that you can be a blessing to someone else. And listen, some of this is hard. And as as our title even says, this is a risky thing. And I'll get into some of those risks in just a moment. But hear me out. The ability to bless someone else is one of the best things you can do for yourself, for your family, for your kids. Teach them from a very small age that life isn't about you. Life is about investing in other people. And so it's something that, that, we, that we've tried to do on occasion and that we plan for and bank for to be able to budget money in and said, I plan on giving this money to bless someone else. I may not know who, the, who, who that may be yet. But when God stirs my heart, I'm going to be ready, and I'm going to be watching and looking for areas where I can be a blessing to other people, banking on the fact that God's going to bring someone to your heart, and he will. So the first thing, our generosity should be planned. Secondly, our generosity should be proportionate. Look look at these few words here. It says, as he may prosper. See, notice that Paul doesn't give a number for our generosity. He doesn't. And I think he did that for a reason. Paul didn't say, "Hey, have everyone round up five grand, of five grand per family, and we're gonna give these, and we're, we're gonna give these Jewish Christians uh, a great gift." Paul says, "As God prospers him." You see, Paul understood that in the church at Corinth, and just in, in any church, there is going to be people that are more financially well off than others. And So Paul doesn't say you have to hit this mark. Paul says you give as you are able to. And that goes with any of our givings. So there, there, can be, there are people in this church that can give far more above and beyond what maybe, what maybe you can give. But notice also that Paul doesn't let people off the hook. He says, let each of you, let every person have this heart of generosity, but let it be proportionate. He's saying, he understands that Jeff Bezos and... I'm not going to say Steve Jobs. I made that that mistake once before. Mark Zuckerberg. These guys have crazy amounts of money. They're going to give more than you can. And that's okay. Let it be proportionate to what God has given to you. We are called to be generous with what God has given us. Not what God has given someone else. As God has prospered you. And church, lastly, you may not find it particularly in this passage, but it's a good its a good principle to be reminded of again, is that our generosity should be private. See, this doesn't come from this passage, but in the age of social media, it is easy to feel the need to announce to the world when we give to others. Listen, I feel it. I know. I have had a, literally a post on my social media about to hit send, and God brought this verse I'm about to bring up to my mind. He says, Dave, don't do that. They don't, not everyone needs to know. And we're flooded with, with churches and individuals and groups that are literally, these are believers posting things on social media saying, look what I've done in the name of Jesus. Look how I've given. Look at the needs that I have met. And listen, I understand people have marketing str- you know, strategies and all of that. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, but when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Friends, when you and I give, the whole world doesn't need to know. We have this longing for people to look at us. and have this longing for people to to recognize what we've done, but, but look at the promise here. Jesus says, your Father in Heaven sees you. He recognizes you. And your Father in Heaven will reward you when it is done in secret. And Jesus actually says, those people that give, that give publicly for everyone to see, they have their reward already. God's not going to reward you for that because, listen, you have it already. So when you give, give in secrets." and see what that looks like for you. And sometimes the person that you even bless doesn't need to know where it came from. Drop, Drop things off anonymously. But what that does, it pushes us back to our Heavenly Father and seeking his honor and seeking his recognition and his reward over the reward of others. Friends, these next few months are some of the best times to be able to give, to meet the needs of others. These are some of the best and easy times to be able to do just that. But generosity comes with a risk. And you're probably already thinking it, so I'm just going to put it up on the screen for you. And the question simply is this, who's going to take care of me? If I'm taking care of others? The majority of us have probably already thought this, asked this question in our head. God, if I'm so busy looking out for the needs of other people, who is going to take care of me? God, if I take what my extra money, my safety net, my security, that I would have saved for my family in case of an emergency, if I take that money and give it to someone else, who's going to take care of me? Let me remind you again of the words of Jesus in Matthew 6 from the Sermon on the Mount. Just listen. Listen to the heart of our Savior. He says, don't be anxious about what you will eat or drink or the clothes that you wear. Your heavenly Father who loves you knows exactly what you need. And he calls you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. I have had to memorize those verses and meditate on them over and over again because my heart wants to go back to the fact that I don't trust that God's going to actually take care of me. But every time I've stepped out in faith and and have given generously to meet the needs of someone else, God has always come through. And the principle here is this, is that your generosity positions you to see God provide. When you put yourself in the position where you're taking taking money or things or time or possessions, whatever it may be, to meet the needs of someone else, what that does is that it positions you then perfectly to see how God is going to come through and meet your every need. Friends, he promises to do it. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The things that he just mentioned, the basic necessities of clothing, food, shelter, all those things, God knows what you need. And God promises to meet them. And when we are generous, we, we have a front and center view of how God is going to meet those needs for you. It's almost like when you give, it's almost saying, all right, God, I've done my part. Now I'm waiting for you to do yours. And I'm telling you, I haven't, I, this, is, this, this generosity is an area that I've had to work on. But when I've taken the steps of faith, God has always come through. Because God is a God who keeps his word. So, the question that I just want you to ask in a prayer to God where is God calling you to be generous? And I'm not going to go on this long spiel of an application. I simply want you to ask, God, what family, what individual, what, what group or what's, what's, what friends do I have that are in need? God, where would you direct me to be generous? And God, would you, would you help me have the faith to answer that call in obedience and, in, and respond in generosity? So the first risk of reaching out is just that. It's the risk of generosity, giving something of myself to meet the need of someone else. But in this portion here, we also see another risk that comes from from reaching out as well. Let's look at verses 5 through 9 together. We'll go go 5 through 11. I know it says 5 through 9. We'll just read the rest there. Paul says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. For I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now. Just in passing, I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. And the second risk that we see here is the risk of community, the risk of reaching out to other people, walking with them. Church, I get it. We live in an age where the smartphones have, Impacted our lives. I'll say ruined, but impacted. Impacted our lives. In a moment's notice, I can pull this thing up. I can text a friend. I can can view pictures from someone else's vacation. Um, I can shoot an email off. And in many ways, we are more connected than ever before. But studies have shown over and over again that we we are way more isolated and lonely than we've ever been. These little devices, we have, we have turned to our screens instead of turning toward each other. And I think a lot of the reasons why we have done that is because that's a lot less risky than doing life together, than walking alongside of people, of, of, of opening up to them as well. So Paul gives us two examples here of how you and I can reach out to others. And Listen, I get it. This is Paul's travel plans. Not the most exciting passage in the world, but hear me out. There's some good good nuggets here of of how you and I can reach out in community. In verse 5 and 6, we see that the first thing we can do is that we can move towards intimacy instead of isolation. Let's read that again. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia. For I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey, wherever I go. See, that word visit means move toward, to approach, or to come near. It's, a, it's, a, it's the same picture wrapped up in Jesus' name, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Meaning that Jesus came down from heaven to dwell with man, to be with humanity, to walk with mankind. That's what the word Visit means, and we are called to move toward people, just as Christ has drawn near to us. We have this discussion often, normally around this time each year. Um, Thanksgiving is a holiday. You know, probably those of you who are married, you have certain holidays that you spend with certain parts of your family. Thanksgiving has always been a holiday that we've gone up to Buffalo for, uh, which is fine. It's good. Um, Mel's one of five and the problem is all of her siblings continue to have kids and like we're not the only one I know we have four I know we are part of the problem but we are not the only problem and like Mel's parents house it's it's good it's got plenty of bedrooms um, but there's like no living space and so every year around this time was like Mel is this year we just finally get get like an Airbnb and just we can go up there but we're not with them anymore just have a chance to breathe and I always, the answer always is, hey, we're just going to suck it up, buttercup. It's a couple days. You're fine, I think. But normally, day one is fine. Day two, day three, it's like, what are we doing here is it Because it's freezing outside. It's not like we can go outside. No, it's Buffalo. You're in four feet of snow. You can't get to your car. Like, this is where we do Thanksgiving. So day one, day two, it's fine. Day three is always the day. In my mind, when you're staying with people, that's when the doors blow off. It's like, all right, these things that were fine a day ago, now it's just annoying. And this kid and and the voice that they have, ah. We get it. Community means that we walk towards people and their annoying kids and everything else. I hope no one's watching. I love you guys. I'll see you in a couple weeks. (laughs) Gosh. Well, you get it. Community moves towards people. That's what we're called to do. In a life, in a world where people are lonelier than ever, the call of Jesus upon our lives is to go be with people. And I love, just this morning, we're, we're in our deacons meeting. And some of the things, things that, that the deacons brought up, these men that are serving the church here in ways that we can value people, were just awesome, super, super encouraging. Someone brought, brought up the, the idea of simply asking people not just how are you, but really, how are you? You ask good questions. I, I used to have a, a, a teacher at, in college he would say this thing, how's your heart? He caught me off guard. It's like, dude, just say how are you, like everyone else, be normal. But no, he said, no, how's your heart? Because he's getting past all the fluff and says, How are you doing? Moving towards others means asking good questions. It means being open and vulnerable to the hurt that you've experienced. Knowing that they've had stuff go on in their life too. Taking off that mask and walking with people. It's knowing how to pray for others and then actually praying with them and following up afterwards and saying, Hey, I know you're I know this was going on in your life. And I prayed with you. How's it going? It is moving towards people. It's committing to join a life group and being with people that are messy and, and, and doing life with people on a week on a weekly basis. Where they will know you, and you will know them. And as believers, we move toward others instead of running away. So we move toward intimacy, not isolation. And secondly, we stay when things get hard. Verse 7, Paul says, For I don't want to, I don't want to spend, I do not I do not, do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Now remember. We have walked through the last seven months Paul's letter to this church. And there are some hard things. Paul's writing to them. The, these group of believers had undermined Paul's authority as an apostle, had rejected his teaching, and Paul's like, I want to stay at your house for Christmas. Like, it just caught me, probably for the very first time. The very people that had given Paul the hardest time were the very people that Paul wants to continue to spend time with to pour into to to minister to and listen the more that you are the more that you hang out with people the harder it will be at times people are going to fail you they're going to disappoint you you're going to try to point them toward Jesus and they're going to say no thanks and stiff arm you out of their lives. And at that moment, the easy way, the easy thing to do is just to walk away. And say, all right, I'm done. The thing that Christ calls us to do is to stay when things get hard. Is to walk through life together still is to pursue forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration and to have hard conversations. When people who are blatantly sinning, and you have to have the hard conversation of of sitting down with them, opening up God's word, and pleading with them to come back. And the risk of living in community is that it is oftentimes messy. Relationships are hard and people will fail. But let me remind you today that our greatest hope is not found in our relationships with others, our greatest hope is found in our relationship with Christ. When things get hard, we can stay and keep walking with them because Christ walks with us. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He promises to never fail us, even when others do. We can stay because our greatest hope is found in Christ, not in others. So the question that I want you again just to ask between you and the Lord today, is who is God calling you to pursue? Who is God calling you to move towards intimacy with and to walk towards, not away from? Who is that person in your life where things right now are rocky and you want to run, but God says, no, you stay. And you forgive and you work through it, and you lay arms, and you pray, and you see what God does. Who is God calling you to pursue today? Who's the person that you need to simply send it, shoot out a text message to this week? Go grab coffee, have them over for dinner, whatever it is. And when you ask those types of questions, God's going to answer them and put someone on your heart. And you're going to step out in faith and say, I know this is risky and hard, but I'm going to do it because this is what I've been called to do. So church, we've talked a lot today about reaching out. I'm going to remind you again, reaching out is always worth the risk. We've been invited to live a life that is generous, giving of ourselves for the good of others. We've been invited to live a life that, that pursues community even though it's messy and relationships are hard. Both of these come with risks and the possibility of pain and hurt. But I wanna ask one more question. But what, what, are, what are we risking if we choose not to live this life? What are, what are we risking if we choose to just become inward focused not invest in relationships, not get entangled with the lives of other people and live for myself. And in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I believe, answers that question. He says this, he says, the cost of non-discipleship, not following Jesus in these areas of our lives, is a lack of God's abiding peace, a life penetrated by love, the opportunity to see God at work, and the power to do what is right in the face of evil. So in short, what we risk is the abundant life that Jesus offers to those who follow after him. So let me encourage you this morning. Don't settle for a life that isn't God's best for you. Don't settle for what is easy now. Because you're too afraid to put in the work and trust that God's going to come through. Live a life that is generous. Live a life that moves toward others. And I promise you, as I'm on this path as well, I'm not perfect in any of these things. God is walking me through this as well. But in the moments where I've said yes to God, He has always kept his word. So let me encourage you with that today. Let me talk just a few minutes to maybe if you're here today and you have, maybe you're checking out church for the first time. This is your first time here at Grace. Or, man, it's been a long time since you've been at church and you're just trying to get back into the the swing of things here. Let Let me just have two minutes of your time. Today we've talked about The cost of being generous and the cost of reaching out. And, friend, the the best example of that in your life is, is Jesus. Scripture says that Jesus gave up the glories and riches of heaven so that you can have a relationship with God. He came down, lived in poverty lived a life of, of suffering and lived a life where, yes, he, he had some influence, but it was nothing like heaven. He sacrificed so that you and I may have life. And not only did, did we see God be generous, but we see God pursue us in community, pursue you in community. That Jesus came with, with you on his heart and you on his mind, To bring you into a restored relationship with God. And not only did he live. But he died on the cross. In your place. For your sins. So that you can have. The forgiveness of sin. A renewed relationship with God. And a purpose in life. And so today he offers you. A clean slate. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you. and a purpose that you've never had before. And he doesn't say you got to come and do all these good things first or you have to follow these rules or do any of that. He says you simply have to come and trust. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you cannot get to God on your own, that you need God's help. Acknowledge and accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. As he he says throughout scripture, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And when we come in faith and trust and confidence in what Jesus has done, John 3.16 promises that those who place their faith and trust in Jesus have eternal life. From the moment that you come to him for the rest of eternity, it is a done Finished deal. So if you are here today and you're searching, know that that invitation is open for you today. Whether you come up and speak with myself or or Pastor Dan or Pastor Mike after the service, um, whether you just want to mark it on that Connect card and say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus, we will follow up with you this week um, whether you just want to come up here and take one of these information packets up front, that gives you a good, a good step forward on what it may, what it looks like to begin a relationship with Jesus. Whatever you want to do, and however God is nudging at your heart, I'd ask you to do it today. That you would, that you wouldn't leave here without knowing for sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. So let me pray. Let me pray over you folks. Um, I'm going to invite the praise team and their prayer team to come forward at this time. We're going to close out with, with one more song, but, but let me pray that the Spirit does its work now and moves in our hearts because of this text. So Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your goodness. God, I thank you for your word, the power of it, Lord. Even 1 Corinthians 16, so many people overlook it, God, but there are things there. There's a call, Lord, to live a certain kind of life a life that reaches out to others, a life that, that is willing to be generous, a life that wants to invest in community, God. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that we would be those types of people, that we would trust you, God, with, with our material possessions, that we would trust that you would, that you would provide for us when, when we meet the needs of others. God, I pray, Lord, that even though we've been hurt often, that even though people have failed us, God, I pray, Lord, that we would continually pursue them, Father, as you have called us to. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would use this group of believers here, ones that we love so much, to make a difference in their lives and their families, in in this valley, God, to show that Jesus makes a difference, that we can think of others, because, God, you have first thought of us, and you're with us and love us even still. God, you do what only you can, convict, move, encourage, God, I pray, Lord, that you would do it today. And I ask you all these things in the the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.